So um, I did some work that I haven't done in years. So I'm going to be stiff in places where I forgot I had places, I think, from tomorrow onwards. But uh, because we did some work, we needed some help. So we, we got a guy to help us. And um, we said, okay, come and help us from 8.30 to 1 o'clock, and we'll pay you 100 rands. And he agreed to it. But then at around about 12 o'clock, we saw we needed some more help. So we got another guy to help us. And we said, okay, please come help us from 12 to 1. But then we paid this guy 100 rands as well. Okay. Now, is this fair? This guy worked an hour. We paid him 100 rands. This guy worked from half past 8 until 1, and we also paid him 100 rands. The unions would not like it. <laughs> yeah, well, talking of unions, about two weeks ago, I, I, I heard a shop steward speak live for the first time. It's amazing the uh, uh, similarities between a shop steward speaking and a charismatic pastor preacher. <laughs> you know, they rile the people up. But um, so if you look at it, is this fair or not? You know, because... The harder you work, the greater your reward should be. Is that true or not? The more you contribute, the more you should get back. That's the mindset that we operate on. And sometimes when it comes to God, we take the same mindset and we apply it into the kingdom. But uh, what did Jesus say? What is the principle of the kingdom of God? And what is the foundation of the gospel? What do you say? Um, if you can remember, Jesus uh, taught a parable that illustrates this, exact, exactly this, and he taught it in Matthew 20. And he said, there was a, a master, and he had a vineyard. And in the morning he got some laborers to come and work in the vineyard, and he said, the King James says, at the end of the day, I'll pay you a penny. Now, that's not a lot. But they agree to it. They'll work the day, all day in the vineyard, and they'll get a penny at the end of the day. But as the day progressed, he got more and more laborers to come and work in the vineyard. And right at the end, he got a guy to come and work for just an hour. And when he paid them, he paid all of them the same amount. He paid them a penny. Now, the people were very unhappy with it, especially the ones who started early in the morning because they had slaved the way they had worked in that vineyard. And in the end, the guy who just worked an hour, he got the same reward as the people who started working early in the morning. Now, is this fair or not? You see, if their labor determined their reward, it would not have been fair. But their labor does not determine their reward. That is the principle of the kingdom. Your labor does not determine your reward. Jesus' labor determines your reward. That's the principle of the kingdom and the foundation of the gospel. What does uh, Matthew 20 say? And now they'd received the penny, their reward for working. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. 
saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and you have made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. So they weren't happy, because they got the same reward as the guy who just worked an hour, but they'd been slaving away the whole day. And they had an issue with the good man of the house. It's interesting that translation saying the good man of the house, because God is good. But then what was the good man of the house's reply? Verse 15, Matthew 20, he says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is your eye evil because I am good? So God is good. God treats all men equally. God rewards all men equally. Because my labor for God or in the kingdom of God does not determine my reward. Because there's a way of belief, a way of thinking, a way of teaching in churches that says the harder you work for God, the more you contribute to the kingdom of God, the greater your reward will be. The more elevated state you'll have in eternity. Now that cannot be true because the foundation of the gospel is that Jesus labored and we are rewarded. My labor does not determine my reward. So, what does God do? All people are equal before the good man of the house. God makes everyone equal. God is not a respecter of persons in the sense that the more you work for Him, the more He respects you. Because my best deeds are as filthy rags. They mean nothing to God. What means something to God is the work of Jesus. So, in the sight of God, there is not one person that is more holy than another. What Bertie said in the beginning, the one who prays is not more holy than the one who curses. God is not a respecter of persons. There are no uh, levels of believers. There are no levels in the kingdom of God. All people are equal in the sight of God. Again, their labor in that parable did not determine their reward. What determined their reward was the goodness of God. The goodness of God determines my reward. Now, the people in the parable could only see their own efforts, which they thought deserved a greater reward, which is pride. So if I look at the labor that I bring into the kingdom of God and I think that I deserve a greater reward because of the labor that I bring into the kingdom of God, that is pride. And I want to be rewarded because of the effort that I bring. People think that the greater my sacrifice, the greater my reward will be. So if I sacrifice something greater than someone else, I will receive a greater reward in the kingdom of God. That is not true. And in the parable, they were focused on working for the master and not on the goodness of the master. So the focus is on myself and the work that I bring to the master and I do not focus on the goodness of the master and his goodness that determines my reward. And... 
then they were not satisfied with their reward. They were not satisfied with receiving the same reward as the guy who worked only an hour. And many will be disappointed when Jesus comes again because of all the effort and the sacrifices and the work they had done for the master, but yet they will get the same reward as one who has hardly done anything. Because my reward is not based on my labor or my efforts or my sacrifice. It's based on the work of Jesus and on the goodness of the master. And then the question then is, what is the reward of the believer? And we'll answer that question as we go along. But first, we're going to have a look at uh, Isaiah 28. Which says, Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. In the Old Testament, people who are overcome with wine, or when it speaks about drunkards, prophetically it's speaking about people who are intoxicated with their own efforts, with their own works for God. People who are getting drunk on the work that they do for God, which intoxicates them, which consumes their whole life, and makes them unable to perceive the goodness of the Master, the goodness of God. And the more I get drunk on my own efforts, the more I want to crown myself with pride, and uh, the more I cannot understand the work that Jesus has done on my behalf, the more I cannot understand the goodness of God that wants to reward me free from my efforts, and the beauty that I perceive to be in my life, which is the beauty of my own efforts, is not really beauty because it's the beauty of a fading flower. Because today, the harder I labor, I see beauty, but tomorrow something else might happen and that beauty that was the beauty of my own efforts and my own labors will fade away because tomorrow I might do something that I perceive to be unholy, that I perceive to be wrong. And the beauty that was supposed to be in my life because of my own efforts just fades away into nothing. And that is if I stand on sand, which is my own efforts. And that state of man is also repeated in Lamentations. Lamentations 5, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what is come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. Verse 6. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Verse 8. Servants have ruled over us. There is none that does deliver us out of their hand. The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. So this is man crying out from the state that he fell into, crying out to God for deliverance. And if we look at this, we see the state that man has fallen into. It's verse 6 says, We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. E Egypt speaks of slavery. The Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, working, slaving away for a hard taskmaster. And sometimes we find ourselves in that same position, and we want to eat the bread of our own labors for God, slaving away under a hard taskmaster, and we eat, eat bread 
that will never be able to satisfy us. But Jesus is the living bread. If we eat of Him and His labors, we will forever be satisfied. Verse 8, Servants have ruled over us. There is none that does deliver us out of their hand. <clears throat> what is the state that man found himself in? He was forever a servant to a law system that said, the harder you work, the bigger your reward will be. And even today, as that message is preached to people, people become servants of this message. And they become enslaved to a message that says, the harder you work for God, the greater your reward will be. The greater your elevated state will be in eternity. And servants have ruled over us because we have bowed down to a message that made us servants and not children of God. And the crown that we were crowned with, that Adam was crowned with initially, has fallen off the head of man. That is the state that man found himself in. But then, what if we go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 28 verse 3, what does it say? It says, The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden underfoot. So man, after the fall of Adam, man clothed himself with fig trees, which is pride. So man crowned himself with pride, saying, I will now labor for God, and the harder I labor, the greater my reward will be. So man was crowned, crowned himself with pride. The crown that God placed upon the head of man had fallen off, and man crowned himself with pride. The harder I labor, the greater my reward will be. And how was this crown of pride that was on the head of man, how was that trodden down? If Isaiah says that this crown was trodden down, how was it done? Man crying out to God in the state that he found himself in, and God had to do something about it. How was this crown of pride destroyed? What do you think? How was this crown destroyed? What does the gospel say? Matthew 27, 29, And when they had plaited or weaved a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. So this crown of pride that man had crowned himself with was a crown of thorns. Thorns speak of curses. Man had crowned himself with curses. The only way that that crown could be removed, destroyed, was for Jesus to come and stand in our place and become a curse on our behalf. And this crown of thorns that was placed upon him speaks of the crown of pride that man had crowned himself with. And in the act of Jesus being crowned with that crown, that crown of pride was destroyed, trodden down, so that it could have no more power over man. And then what does Scripture further say? John 19, 5. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. So if we see Jesus in that state, wearing that crown of thorns, speaking of the crown of pride, speaking of the curse that man had crowned himself with, 
attempting to clothe himself in a purple robe, speaking of divinity, speaking of royalty, if we see Jesus in that state, broken, bleeding, um, despised, we see the state that man had been in until the coming of Jesus Christ. That is why Pilate said, Behold a man. Because if we see Jesus in that state, we are supposed to see the state of man trying to labor for a reward, trying to sacrifice just for a penny from the hand of God. That is the state of a man who wants to labor to please God. So if I see that picture, I see someone who is a servant to a law system. No matter how I want to fool myself, no matter how I want to clothe myself with fading glory, with fading beauty, that is what I look like if I want to abide in my own efforts to please God, to get a reward from the hand of God. Behold the man. And Jesus had to come into, that, into our place representing us and in that act of being crowned with curses, he destroyed that crown of curse that was ruling over man. Amen. Then, if Jesus did that, if that crown of curses was destroyed by the work of Jesus, then the question is, what is the reward of the believer? What is the reward of the believer? What do you think? What is the reward of the believer? What is? Exactly. What is Isaiah 28? If we go back to Isaiah 28 verse 5, it says, In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So where man had been crowned with curses, with his own efforts, a crown of thorns, that is taken off by the work of Jesus, and what is man crowned with? With the glory of God. Return to our original design, the way we were intended to be, to be indwelt by the being of God, crowned with the glory of God. So the reward, what, what did God say to Abraham? Genesis 15:1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So what is the reward of the believer? God himself. If I expect some reward from God, like an elevated state in the kingdom, seated above other common believers, if I'm seeking that reward, I will be disappointed because God himself is my reward. I'm crowned with the life of God. He is my reward. Not uh, having a hundred people subjected to me for all eternity. Not seated in the front of the congregation and not at the back. Not having a bigger mansion in the New Jerusalem than the next guy. If that is what the reward I'm looking for, what will happen? I'll be disappointed. Because God himself is my reward. And that should be enough. 
And then what does Exodus 39 say? Exodus 39 verse 30. This is uh, speaking of Aaron, who is the high priest. We are speaking prophetically of Jesus. And if I see Jesus, I see myself. And they made a plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like to the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. So Aaron, the crown that Aaron had on his head had a writing on it that said holiness to the Lord. Speaking prophetically of Jesus, who had a crown saying holiness to the Lord. And Jesus is my representative. If I see Jesus, I see myself. So the crown that is on my head says holiness to the Lord. What does that mean? Set apart to God for a sacred purpose. Holiness means to be set apart, to be sacred. What is my sacred purpose? What is my sacred purpose? To be indwelled by the life of God. Not to be set apart to my own labors for a reward. Not to be set apart to my own ability to do the right thing to please God. Not set apart to tithing every month to get a reward back from God. I'm not set apart to that. I'm set apart, holiness, to the Lord. I'm set apart to be crowned with the glory of God. To be indwelled by the glory of God. I'm not crowned if I have a bigger ministry than someone else. I'm not crowned if I'm a, deemed to be a greater prophet than, some, than another prophet. I'm not crowned if I deemed to be a greater, if I have a greater healing ministry than another guy. I'm not crowned. I'm crowned holiness to the Lord. All people equal in the sight of God. Crowned with the efforts of Jesus Christ, rewarded with the life of God. That is the reward of the believer. Crowned, rewarded with the life of God, God himself for all eternity. I'm set free from my efforts to obtain a reward from God. Set apart to receive the goodness of God for free, as I believe in the completed work of Jesus. Isaiah 28 verse 5, it says, In that day shall the Lord of hosts... What day is that speaking of? The day of the work of Jesus. The day of Jesus, the completion of His work. In that day, man shall be crowned with the glory of God. Has Jesus' work been completed? Has it been finished? In that day, it has been finished and completed. And as I believe in His completed work, I am crowned with the glory of God. So as I look at you, what are you crowned with? What do I see? I see crowns on your head, shouting, speaking, holiness to the Lord. But the moment that I decide that I don't believe that, that I will not be holy to the Lord, I will be holy to my own efforts to please God, that crown falls off my head. And a crown of thorns is placed on my head that Jesus died for to remove. So I do not submit to that. I submit to God rewarding me and the crown on my head shouting holiness to the Lord for all eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this will be quick. We're basically done, eh? The symmetry or union of the crown or 
the completion of unity. This crown speaks of unity or symmetry. A crown is a circle that is placed on your head. Because what does Isaiah 62 says? As we are crowned with the glory of God, what happens? Isaiah 62 verse 3. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. So as we are crowned with the glory of God, as we are crowned with the work of Jesus, we are glorified back into the state where we were supposed to be. And what happens? We become the crown that is in the hand of God. As we are crowned with God, He is crowned with us. His children. The beautiful unity that is in the crown that is on the head of the believer. Because what does Revelation say? Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. What are the many crowns that is on the head of Jesus Christ? You. You are the crowns that Jesus is crowned with. As you are crowned with the glory of God, He is crowned with your glory. You are the glory of Jesus Christ. You are crowned, you are crowned with God and He is crowned with us. Because as He glorifies us, He is glorified by us being glorified. The symmetry, the union of that crown which is the reward of the believer. And that is who you are. That is who we are. Equal in the sight of God. The glory of God is you. You are the glory of God. As He is our glory. Amen.